The following audio is from Citizens Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're interested in getting involved with our family, visit citizenscharlotte.com slash connect. Well, good evening. How are we doing this evening? That's great. Sounds like it. No, just kidding. It's good to be with you guys. If you have a Bible, go to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 is where we're going to be tonight. If we haven't met before, my name is Tim. I serve as the pastor here at Citizens. We're a brand new little church plant trying to be a Jesus-centered family on mission with him on the east side of Charlotte. That's what we're about. That's what we're going for. Looks like two things, groups and gatherings. And so you're here at one of those two things uh, called a gathering. We're, as Jacob said, to start us off, we gather together to worship uh, King Jesus. John 10, uh, before we jump in, we are spending the fall talking about what Jesus says about himself, right? So if we as a church want to be Jesus-centered, if we as people, individuals want to be Jesus-centered, then we're spending time talking about who Jesus is. Specifically, what does Jesus say about himself in the gospel of John? And before we jump into John at 10 this evening, I want to do a little 2020 recap for you. We can just go there for a minute. So, so go back all the way to December 31st, 2019. Remember how we were all feeling? Like, yes, 2019 wasn't all that great. Like, nothing really that great happened. The Golden State Warriors lost the NBA Finals, so I was upset and sad. There was just not a lot to be happy about. And so we were like, 2020, 2020 is going to be the year. And it was perfect, a new decade. Like, it just fits. It sounds good. I remember hearing so many people, entrepreneurs and pastors and leaders talk about 2020 vision. Right, like we're just going to crush it in 2020. 2020 is going to be the year of breakthrough. We're going to go for it. And, and, and in large part, January and February started off pretty good. Right? Like, like it, was, it was all right. right? We, Kobe Bryant passed away, which was sad, and we collectively mourned that. But overall, as a whole, January and February were okay. Then March hit, and with it came COVID. I remember specifically uh, being in church on March 8th, serving, doing all that. Everything was good. My wife and I entered the hospital on March 10th on a Tuesday for her to be induced to give birth to our little baby girl. And we were getting ready to leave the hospital on Thursday. My father-in-law is like, hey, Tim, do you need anything? Do you mean to run by the store? And I remember saying to him on March 12th, hey, maybe toilet paper. Like that just sounds like something people can't really find a lot of right now. Like maybe get some toilet paper. We left the hospital on Thursday and on Saturday, the world just shut down. And you continue and you watch how people, it really brings out this reality of sin in people's lives. And we're separated physically from one another, but also emotionally. It really brings out the worst in people. We start fighting over things like toilet paper, scratching and clawing to just be okay. Can we just take care of ourselves? It divided us. And with a pandemic came things like an economic crisis. Right, where the markets plummet, entire sectors of business shut down, where people, uh, countless numbers of people faced unemployment and job loss. Then you hit April. You the killing of Ahmaud Arbery. I remember talking to a pastor friend of mine who speaks all across the country on uh, racial injustice and how the church can step into that. And I remember him saying to me, hey, this just feels like it's going to be different. It just feels like our, our nation right now is so on edge, so on the brink, so separated from each other that it just feels like this is going to be different. And we heard the news of people like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many others. And we were already divided physically and emotionally. It became even more of a divide. People instantly took sides, right? They, we had the COVID people with the masks and the no masks, right? It's a big deal. It's not a big deal. We have the people on both sides of this. No, racism doesn't exist. Let's not pay attention to it. It doesn't matter. And then over here, let's burn it all down. 
and everyone's trying to figure out what do we do in the middle of all of this. That's just a little bit of what we faced so far in 2020. That's nothing to say of wildfires in Australia and on the West Coast of murder hornets, which were like a thing for like a week, it seemed like. And then we get to October. Now we're into an election season. Everyone's favorite time every four years. It's just like, man, can we catch a break? So I think you have to forgive me for asking tonight as we enter into this space. Anybody else feel a little bit shaken? Anybody else feel a little bit uncertain? Anybody else, when Garrison's up here giving us a moment of silence to bring our griefs to God, being like, can you talk again? Because I don't like what's going on when I have to be silent. Anybody else feeling a little uncertain about what's to come in the next day, in the next week, in the next month, in the next year? So much uncertainty hits our time. And what we're going to see tonight in John chapter 10 is our moment isn't that unlike what's going on with the Jewish people in John chapter 10. Facing years and years, decades and decades of brutal enslavement. They're under the rule of Egypt. They get out of that. Then they go into the rule of Babylon. They get out of that. And finally, they're back home. But God has now been silent between the Old Testament and the New Testament for over 400 years. And they're finally in their home. They're in their place. But now they're under the oppressive regime of Rome. It's into the middle of that that Jesus enters. We see throughout the book of John, Jesus say things like we've already talked about over the past few months. He, he shows up on the scene and he says things like, I am the bread of life. Meaning everything else you're looking for for satisfaction is not going to satisfy you. I am where true life is found. He's going to say things like, I am the light of the world. Every other false Messiah, every other false savior you're looking for to get you out of the darkness of sin and into the light with God is not going to lead you there. I am the light. Tonight where we're going to see in John chapter 10, as Jesus tells these people and us, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Meaning this, I am the one committed to caring for and watching over those who are mine. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Meaning I am the one committed to caring for and watching over those who are mine. Nothing and no one else is going to provide true comfort like I do. There's no other good shepherd. Jesus says, I've come to bring life abundant and eternal with God, to lead my people to safety, to care for them and protect them, to welcome them into God's fold and to keep them forever. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Now to our industrial, non-agrarian society, where if I was a betting man, I would guess none of us in the room are shepherds, this is a little hard to get excited about, right? I noticed that we didn't really say, yes, good shepherd. All of us are probably like, what does that mean? Right? Like, what does it mean that Jesus is a shepherd? Like, I kind of get it a little bit. If I've read the Bible at all, I kind of understand a little. Like, okay, I'm a sheep, you're a shepherd. Like, but what does it actually mean? And so what I want to do tonight is I want to unpack John chapter 10, and we're going to see four things. Four ways in particular that Jesus is the good shepherd. And I hope this provides comfort for you and joy and peace and life as we look at Jesus as the good shepherd. Four ways. Number one, Jesus knows and gathers his sheep. Jesus knows and gathers his sheep. John 10, we're going to start in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus talking, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. 
So a sheepfold in those days was a kind of pen next to the side of a house. So they would use the wall of the house as one part of the sheepfold, and then typically it was a stone kind of fence around it. And to save money, multiple shepherds would all throw their sheep into the same sheepfold. So you would often have four or five different uh, groups, flocks, is that what they're called? Different groups of sheep hanging out in one sheepfold, and sheep were smart. And they were well-trained. So you could walk in, if you were a shepherd that had your sheep in this little pen, in this little fold, you could walk in and you could call your sheep by name. You could be like, hey, Isaac. Isaac feels like a sheep name. You could be like, hey, Isaac, come to me. And if Isaac was your sheep, he would come to you. If he wasn't your sheep, he'd be like, nah, bro, I ain't your sheep. Get a new shepherd. So if Isaac was your sheep, you'd call him out. He would hear your voice. He would know your voice from all of the other shepherds' voices. And Jesus uses this to illustrate the call to follow him. He says, my sheep know my voice. I go into the pen, I call them by name, I gather them to myself, and I lead them out. This is good news for us. Jesus calls those who are his. He gathers them to himself. I mean, think about how crazy this is. Seven billion plus people in the world, and Jesus goes, him, her. He calls us by name, and he draws us to himself. Religious leaders don't get it. Keep going, verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Now this is a bold claim. All right, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, this group of people who had taken God's laws in the Old Testament and twisted them and added to them and basically set up this entire system for the Jewish people saying, hey, if you want to be right with God, if you want to have a relationship with God, if you want to be good with God and go to heaven with him when you die, do these things, cross these boxes, follow these religious sacrifices and rules and ceremonies and all of this. And Jesus shows up and says, no, you don't get it. I am the good shepherd. I gather those who are mine, but not only am I the good shepherd, I'm also the door. Just as I'm both the door and the shepherd, meaning I'm the entry point to God. Meaning you don't get right relationship with God. You don't get entrance into his kingdom. You don't get entrance into the family of God. You don't get entrance into being his follower, into being a part of his kingdom without Jesus. You have to get this. This is important. If you want to enter into God's kingdom, if you want to be forgiven for your sins, if you want to be made right with God and spend eternity with him forever in a new heaven and new earth, only that only comes through Jesus. That's it. Jesus says, I'm the shepherd who leads, and I'm the door who holds the entrance. He says, I am the good shepherd. It's only through me. It's only through Jesus. Jesus is the only way to be saved. I need you to hear this. Salvation is not Jesus plus good deeds. Salvation is not Jesus plus church attendance. Salvation is not Jesus plus living in the South. Jesus is not your parents' faith. Salvation is not Jesus plus your parents' faith or your grandparents' faith. Salvation only comes through Jesus. Only through him. You don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life with God. What that means is, Jesus says, I'm the door. So the door is not your sincere beliefs in whatever pathway you think is best. The door to God is not a genuine earnestness and sincerity in trying to be a good person. The door is me. I am the means by which you get to God. Jesus knows his sheep. He gathers them to himself. Number two, Jesus dies for his sheep. Jesus dies for his sheep. Skip down a little bit, verse 11. Come back to verse 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life 
for the sheep. All right, underline that, highlight it. If you like to mark in your Bible, your phone app, whatever, that's crucial to this whole passage. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So Jesus calls out the Pharisees. He says, these guys, they're not the shepherd. Wolf comes, they're going to leave you. That's bad news for a sheep to be left alone with a wolf. He says, I don't care for you like I care for you. I die for you. They let you die. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus here is talking to a Jewish audience and he's saying, hey, you guys, all those who I call by name are going to follow me, but there's also sheep that are not of this fold, meaning all people that are not Jewish, Gentiles. He says, I'm going to call them as well and they'll be brought into my fold, which is good news for you. If you're in this room and you're not a Jew by ethnicity, this is good news. Jesus is talking about you too. He says, they can follow me as well. I will call them out by name as well. One flock, one shepherd. Verse 17, for this reason, the father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. King Jesus lays down his life for the sheep. Not under compulsion, not because he has to, willingly. He says, I lay it down of my own accord. I am choosing to put myself on the cross for sinners. Never want us as a church to move past the good news of the gospel, right? That God created us to live in right relationship with him. Yet the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, rebelled and they turned away from him and sin entered the world. And now it corrupts all of us who come after Adam and Eve. All of us who the Bible says is born of the seed of Adam. All of us who are humans are born in sin, which means we're not bad because we do bad things. It means at our core, we are enemies of God. At our core, we are separated from him. We have what the Bible calls a sin nature. We do not want God. We don't go after God. We don't chase after God. We don't choose the things God wants us to choose. We don't live as he calls us to live. We don't want God. Yet God sends Jesus. I love what he says in that verse. He says, this is the charge I have received from my father. God the father sends Jesus to take on flesh. Right, fully God, yet becomes fully man. The only one who has lived or will live a perfect life ever, that does not have sin, that is not separated from God, that is always in right relationship with him, and yet he takes the cross and the death and the punishment that we deserve. Jesus says, I die for or on behalf of my sheep. This is a beautiful theological reality called substitutionary atonement. It means this, Jesus in my place. It means the cross that you and I and all of us deserve because of our sin, the wrath of God that all of us deserve because of our sin, Jesus takes instead. And the Bible says when he takes our sin, when we believe on him, he actually gives us or grants us his righteousness. So now if we trust in Jesus and believe in Jesus, God now views us as he sees Jesus, which is holy, clean, righteous, and good. It's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus says, I die in their place. We sing this uh, in the hymn before the throne. Where we sing, because a sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Jesus in our place. So if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. The reason why we're starting a church, the reason why we're planning a church is to tell more people about Jesus. So you are very real why we're in this room tonight. 
and I hope you find Citizens to be a place where you can ask questions and wrestle with who God is and what that means for your life. But before we talk about anything else of the good news of Jesus the shepherd, before we talk about how he keeps his sheep and cares for his sheep, you first and foremost need to realize that Jesus died for you, for those who would believe and trust in him. You don't get the benefits we're about to talk about. You don't get the care and the concern and the love and the graciousness of Jesus without first putting your trust and belief in the fact that he died and rose again. This is the first invitation for you before you move to all this other stuff, before you claim the care and goodness of Jesus for your life. The first step is to repent, to turn from your sins and to trust in him. We'd love to talk to you about what that means. I'll be down front afterward with some of our team. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. Go to number three. Number three, Jesus keeps his sheep. Jesus keeps his sheep. Skip down even more. Let's go to verse 27. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Listen to me tonight. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, you are safe and secure in the hand of God. What Jesus says is greater than all who holds all things together and who holds you. And this is where you have to properly understand everything that has led up to this point in your salvation, right? So you have to understand that Jesus called you by name. You have to understand that Jesus gathered you to himself, that Jesus died for you and your sins. And so the answer is, what did you contribute to anything in this process? Nothing, right? You were just walking around like, bam, I'm a sheep. Jesus is like that one. And you're like me. And he's like, yeah. And you're like, all right, let's do it. That's what John 10 says. Jesus says, no, you didn't do any of it. I came to you. I called you by name. I brought you to myself. You were just wandering around in the fold going, is that my shepherd? Is that my shepherd? I don't know. Is that my shepherd? And Jesus is like, come on, you come to me. We don't do anything. And here's the good news. We had nothing to contribute at any point up until here in our salvation. Guess what? We're not going to be the ones to keep it. We don't keep ourselves in the Father's hand. God holds us in his hand. There's an old uh, Puritan preacher, Jonathan Edwards, that says it this way. He says, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. No good intentions, no good works, no amount of church attendance, no good deeds. Jesus sought you because he loved you when you were his enemy. And he came and he died and he gave himself away. You didn't start it, so guess what? You don't keep it. You're not going to finish it. That's good news. That means you can put your shame to rest. You can put your guilt to rest. You can put your burden to rest. You can put your doubt to rest. If you're a follower of Jesus, no more going through your day saying, I wonder if God still loves me. John 10, Jesus says he keeps his sheep. He doesn't love you based on anything you've done. He loves you because of what Jesus has already finished and accomplished on the cross. And that's not going to change. He keeps his sheep. He holds them. I think some of us need some freedom tonight from carrying around the burden of doubt Wondering, have I outsinned the grace of God? Have I gone farther than the love of Christ will reach? The cross says no. Jesus on the cross says no. I died for you when you were an enemy of God, and I brought you in, and I called you by name. You did nothing up until this point, so don't worry. I got you. Trust me. Throw yourself onto my mercy. Throw yourself onto my grace. Jesus says God keeps his sheep. This is how Romans 8, Paul talks about it, Romans 8. 38, he says, For I am sure that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God keeps his sheep, finishes what he started. Number four, Jesus cares for his sheep. Jesus cares for his sheep. So to bring it back to where we started, what this means and why this is good news for the Jews who are under the oppression of the Roman Empire, wondering when God's going to show up, wondering when their Messiah, their Redeemer, is going to show up. What this means for us and why this is good news for us in the middle of 2020, in the middle of everything that's going on, and really even before 2020. Like problems in our life didn't just start with this year, right? The good news for us is that Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for his sheep. Cares for his sheep, he cares for his followers, for his children, for his people. It's hard to think about Jesus as good shepherd without thinking about Psalm 23. And this beautiful Psalm of David where he just goes in such a poetic, wonderful fashion through how God cares for him as a sheep, how Jesus cares for him as a sheep. And so I just want to look there together. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. So David writes. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus satisfies the longings in our soul. The cravings that we go through life going, maybe this will satisfy, maybe this will satisfy, maybe this will give me enough. Jesus steps in. Shall not want. Keeps going. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Question, is your soul in need of restoring? He's feeling a little bit beat down. A little bit uncertain a little bit weary. Jesus says, my yoke, my way of living is easy and light. He leads us beside still waters. I love that. He makes us lie down. Other place in the Psalms, it says that the Lord gives to his beloved sleep. He makes us. Keeps going. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Jesus leads us as the good shepherd into the way of living that God intended to life as it was meant to be lived, into what is right and good and true. He leads us in a better way of being human, loving God, worshiping him, giving our lives away in service to God and our neighbor. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As followers of Jesus, as sheep to the good shepherd, we don't have to fear like the rest of the world fears. Right, this, this year, this time, our lives are uncertain. We don't have to fear what's going on around us. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I walk through the darkness, Jesus is with me. Here's what that means. I don't have to fear next week because God goes before me. It means I don't have to fear unemployment because Jesus cares for his sheep and he walks through the valley with me. I don't have to fear sickness and death because Jesus is my comforter. I don't have to fear my depression and anxiety because Jesus is with me in the darkness. I don't have to fear what's going to happen in my marriage. I don't have to fear what's going to happen in my singleness. I don't have to fear what's going to happen with my kid because Jesus is the good shepherd. He cares for his sheep. He never leaves our side. 
Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This is Jesus being the best of hosts in that culture. So if you were to show up at someone's house and they were throwing a feast for you, when you walked in, they would anoint your head and your feet with oil and they would prepare a table with all good food and they would make sure your cup never ran dry. They would just keep refilling it and refilling it. So here's Jesus being the best of hosts who welcomes us. He says, come to me, all who are weary prepares a table. He makes sure our cup never runs dry. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever through the highs and the lows of life, through the mountains and the valleys. Here's the good news of Jesus as a shepherd is you get Jesus. Right? Even better than the comfort, even better than him taking care of circumstances, even better than him working things out in your life, you get Jesus. You get him. That's what this is about. The whole thing about him being the good shepherd is about the fact that you get him no matter what comes your way. No matter what storms you walk through in life, no matter what highs, no matter what lows, you get him. Look back at John 10 with me. This is the verse we skipped over earlier. This is what Jesus says. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. These false teachers, he says, they try to lead you astray. The thief, the devil, he comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I came that you may have life and have it abundant. And there's a a temptation here to read this verse like Americans. Right? Like we hit John 10 and we're like, all right, God said he's going to come as the good shepherd. He's going to give me life and life abundant. And what we do is we put our American filter of abundance over this verse. Right? And we say, okay, so abundance to the American, because we're obsessed with all of this, is comfort and control and making sure our life works out okay, making sure our families work out okay, making sure I get everything I want, making sure life isn't stressful and it's not too much trouble and there's no problems and I'm okay. And so we read John 10.10 and we say, Jesus is the good shepherd who has come to give us life abundant. And we think life abundance means stress-free, problem-free, care-free, trouble-free. Jesus says, no, I got something better. I got me. You get me. So your life, it could go like this. It could go like this go like this. You still get Jesus. And that's life abundant. Life abundant is not stress-free, problem-free. Guess what? You can follow Jesus. You're still going to have some stresses. You're still going to have some problems. You're still going to have some hurt. You're still going to have some pain. That's not the point. The point is you get Jesus. You can follow Jesus, right? And you might live single for the rest of your life. That's okay. Get Jesus. You might get Jesus and your marriage might be really tough might really be some friction. That's okay. You have Jesus. You might do all the right things, trying to raise your kid in all the right ways, put him in all the right schools, do all the right stuff, and he still might turn out rebellious. Guess what? You still get Jesus. You get Jesus. We said this last month, but, but our goal as a church and my personal goal as a pastor is to prepare you for the suffering that will come in your life. And I think it's a disservice to say things to you like, hey, don't worry. Jesus is going to, he's going to crush it. Right, your mountain, don't worry about it. God's got it. I think it's a disservice to not say no. What's even better than Jesus taking care of the trouble in front of you is to say that Jesus will take care of you in the trouble. That's a real promise. Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for his sheep. And the world is broken and sinful and bad things are going to happen in your life. And my prayer for you is that you'll understand Jesus is the good shepherd for all of it. For all of it. It's the good news of John 10. 
Jesus gathers his sheep, he dies for his sheep, he keeps his sheep, and he cares for his sheep. It's good news for your life. Do all of it. 2020 will not be the last bad year you have. Just won't. Might not be this bad. It's still going to be bad. Jesus is still going to be the good shepherd. The night he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. In the same way, he took a cup of wine. He said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant sealed by the shedding of my blood. And every time you eat the bread and you drink the cup, you're announcing, you're celebrating the fact that the good shepherd also became the spotless lamb, sacrificed his body, sacrificed his blood so that we could have his righteousness and be made right with God. So just a second, we're going to take communion. There should be little packets. It has a little cracker, and then you peel it off again. It has a little juice, all of that kind of stuff. We're just a second, we're going to take communion. We're going to remember what Christ has done for us. If you're not a Christian, this is one of the only things we'd ask you not to participate in, simply because you'd be saying something is true about yourself that's just not yet. Rather than take communion, I invite you to take Christ to believe and trust that he died in your place. But here's what I want to do before we take communion, before we sing. Here's what I want to do. I think there's a temptation when we hear things like Jesus is the good shepherd and he cares for you to think that that truth applies to everyone else in the room but you. Right? To think, okay, I know Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for the troubles of my life, who cares for me in the midst of the storms, and that's good news for the person across the room in community group. That's good news for my roommate. That's good news for my neighbor. That's good news for the person next to me on the pew, but that's not good news for me. And we gloss it over. We say, ah, he's not going to care for me. He's not going to show up for me. So here's what I want to do. I want us to believe it, and I want us to tell it to ourselves. We're going to stand. We're going to read Psalm 23 together. We're going to read it loud. We're going to read it slowly, and we're going to read it owning the promises of God that he is the good shepherd for us. And so as we read through Psalm 23, I want you to think, what does this promise mean for me? How is Jesus making me lie down? How is he caring for me? How is he restoring my soul? So stand with me. We're going to read Psalm 23 together. It's going to be on the screen. Read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Pray with me. God, we are so grateful that you are the good shepherd. Now that you know your sheep, you call your sheep, you gather your sheep, you die for your sheep, you keep your sheep, and you care for your sheep. I don't want us as a people, I don't want us as a church to move past the goodness of the gospel. It's everything in our lives to go back to you constantly and remember, I am not deserving of right relationship with God, and yet Jesus died in my place. Now, would you ground us in that truth? Would you ground us in the reality that Jesus died for us? because he loved us. He wanted to make us right with God. Would you help as we enter this week, as we enter this month, to remember that you care for your sheep? To not own that truth of Scripture for somebody else, but to own it for ourselves. To remember 
If I'm a follower of Christ, if I'm a sheep, Jesus cares for me. He walks with me. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He gives his beloved sleep. God, would you help us to know and to believe in a tangible way that affects how we live our lives that you are the good shepherd who cares for us. He loves us. God, we love you. We need you. Thanks for Jesus on the cross and yet also risen again. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.